Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person. Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring me. And who are you? Person Noob. And why are you Person Noob? Because I'm tiny. And you're comparatively new to being alive. And why am I Soccer Noob? Because you know, because you only started this soccer like a while ago. <laughs> you started to say because I don't know anything about soccer. I think that we've learned a lot in the year and a half that we've done this. Uh, podcast, looking at all the greatest highest stakes matches from all over the world. We, we decided not to just focus on one particular league, one particular country. We have been looking at every confederation in the world, all the top leagues for the men, some of the top leagues for the women, the FA Cups, the international club tournaments, international team tournaments. If it's a high stakes match where it's being played and important there, then it's important to us. That means we're going to get some of the big ones that other shows do. And it means we're going to cover stuff that virtually nobody else is. So hopefully that makes it a really fun show. Plus, you're going to be helping a lot at this particular time, aren't you? Yeah. Because you brought your... A ukulele. Yeah, we're going to get plenty of ukulele playing for mostly better. I don't think anybody could say... I was going to say better or worse, but... Does anybody really dislike ukulele? Some people. Bad people. I think bad people don't like ukulele. Would that be fair, or am yeah. I being unreasonable? Um. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a, if you don't like ukulele, just shut the show off. Quite frankly, get out of here. Go listen to Alexi Lawless or somebody like that. He plays guitar, but no ukulele there. Probably he. he a ginger will welcome you with uh, open arms, probably, and all of his uh, hot takes and di- designed to simply you know, you know, sound like they're controversial when in fact they're really not. I do like them though. Anyway, the matches that we're going to cover this particular show, we're going to do 10 mini previews of these best matches from around the world. Our soccer week will run from Friday to Thursday. That is May 12 through 18. So with no further ado or gilding of the lily, let's just jump right in, shall we? Yeah. With match number one. No Friday matches were quite bright or shiny enough to make our main 10 for the week. So we start our trek on Saturday with a match from the top flight in Germany, the Bundesliga. I really like starting with this one because this is going to have a little something for the newer burgeoning fans and yet maybe some information for veteran footy fans as well. All right. The Bundesliga is the number three ranked league in Europe. That means being the top four that they max out on European tournament berths. The top four finishers at the end of the season, which is nearly here, all get to go to next year's Champions League. Now, that's what makes this match so exciting. Usually we do uh, top two matchups, but here at the end of the season, 
number four and number five are tied. There's really three teams that could end up uh, getting that final spot, in my opinion, into the Champions League. One of these two more than likely. Number four, Union Berlin, playing host to number five, Freiburg. Union Berlin currently lead them by just four on goal differential. That's right. They're absolutely tied on points. They both trail Leipzig, by the way, by just one. So they're kind of playing a game of musical chairs, those three. The teams that finish in fifth, or the team, singular rather, will get to go to the secondary European tournament next year, the Europa League. We'll be visiting that league a little bit later on in the show. It's late enough in the season that neither of these teams, by the way, can do any worse than getting to go to next year's Europa Conference League. That is the third best tournament in Europe, only a couple of years old. As far as this matchup, the series between these two, uh, Berlin, out of the last nine, they have won six and gotten two draws or ties. Freiburg, however, won earlier this season at their place convincingly, four to one. You can see this one Saturday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN+. And we will start off, as is our convention, with Union Berlin, known as the Iron Ones. They play out of the eastern part of the city, so they really only rejoined the German Football Association after the you know Cold War more or less ended, 1990. They've been playing in lower divisions, particularly the second Bundesliga. Uh, that was up until 2019 when they finally moved up to the modern top flight. 2021-22, they made the Europa Conference League group stage. That's the third best tournament in all of Europe, of course, as we mentioned. This year, they got to play in the Europa League. They lost uh, in the round of 16, so made it pretty far. They're in quite a run. Uh, Last year, they qualified for that by finishing in fifth place, as we discussed. Uh, They're not doing it with the offense. This is a very high-scoring league, probably the most high-scoring league of all the major European ones, and they're not quite managing even a goal and a half per match. That puts them a bit below average. But they've got the second-best defense, the fourth best overall goal differential. So they're in really good position on paper to snag at least this fourth berth, maybe even be able to pass Leipzig. Key players to look for, and this is where, uh, this is for veteran footy fans too, because I tried to pull a couple of names and statistics that are not as uh, quite as normally looked at. Number three in possessions one in the final third per 90 minutes. So these are your offensive players who are dispossessing the defensive players and then having another shot at goal. He's doing it pretty close to two times per match on average. That is Sven Michael or Sven Michel, not sure which. Uh, he is a German center forward who spent the heart of his career with uh, second division team uh, Paderborn. Number one in the league in save percentage by lots. He's the only one saving uh, more than four out of every five shots is their Danish netminder, Frederick uh, Ronau. I spent his heart of the career back home with a pretty good team called Brondby. At least according to the uh, FootMob app that I like to use, no one in this league is rated in the top 30 overall. As the play as the regular players go, so this is a real team effort. But their best player, in my opinion, is probably uh, Danilo Dokai. He is a, a Danish, or excuse me, not Danish, but rather Dutch center back. But he plays all over the field. Four goals, one assist. He's going to be very sought after because he's not one of these guys that necessarily moves up like a left back or a right back would to play some uh, winger more towards the midfield and get those offensive stats. He is a true defensive center back who can just get up and back really fast. There's nobody else in Europe that plays really quite like him. 
He's only just a fair passer, but he is a really great dribbler, so he may never load up on assists, but he is going to be a big part of the engine for any offense, whether he stays here or heads somewhere else. Gets loads of clearances as well, so like I said, he is not eschewing his defensive duties. Uh, Italian sides Inter and Napoli and a slew of Premier League teams have all shown some interest on him. He's going to be expensive to get, though, and he's got two years left on his contract here. And finally, I do want to mention a USA connection. Jordan Pifak plays for this club, striker, USMNT player, our national team. He's got four goals here in 28 appearances. I don't think he's the regular starting striker, but he gets in the games a lot. He won the Golden Boot or scored the most goals in the Swiss Super League last year. Team's current form. They've actually only got one win across all competitions in their last six matches. So that goal differential looks good, but maybe they're starting to fade a little bit down the stretch. Coming to town to try to at least take a point and uh, keep them on that schneid, so to speak, is Freiburg, which, by the way, the, uh, way that city is in the southwest part uh, corner of the country. It's the heart of Baden wine country. Um, I won't say I'm a wine connoisseur by any uh to any extreme, but I will say the Syrah grape there is underused. It's only the third most used. It's my favorite. So I'm curious to try one that I understand is very popular, a Landsman Edition S. If you'd like to get me one, hey, you know what, uh, uh, German footy fans, just contact me at Soccer Noob USA on Twitter. That'd be awesome. I'd love to get this or any other kind of Syrah from there. They won the second division pretty recently, 2015-16. So this isn't a team that's used to being in these rarefied airs either. In fact, they've never made the Champions League. This would be their first appearance. However, they're not new to international competition. They lost in the Europa League round of 16 uh, this year. That is their third appearance. They finished in sixth place last year. So each of these teams is just up a slot. Statistically, they're very similar to their opponents today as well. Uh, Barely average offense, top four defense, number seven overall goal differential. Uh, If there were a few more games left in the season, I think that this is a team that would not have a shot at the Champions League. I think they're fading, but with the season drawing to a close, perhaps they can hang on. They need to get a point at least here today. I actually think Leverkusen that are both uh, behind both of them are probably the more talented team. They've just started a little too slow and had a couple too many rough spots to probably catch them at this point. Key player to look for. They've got the second best goalkeeper in the league in terms of clean sheets uh, with a dozen. And he's got, uh, he's in the top three in save percentage. And there's their Dutch goalkeeper, Mark Flecken. But the best, most important player on their team, I think easily, certainly in the outfield, is Vincenzo uh, Grifo. Their Italian left winger has been doing it all year. 13 goals, four assists. That's what puts him in the top 10 in the league in that combined statistical category. Team's current form, uh, they've lost two straight, but those were both to uh, uh, Leipzig, once in league and then uh, once in the FA Cup, albeit both losses were at home. So neither of these teams is exactly on fire. Match number B. First, a thank you for the reminder from my daughter, Dearest, that in fact, number B is the way to go. So superior to the bathroom talk that is number two. Don't you agree? Listen to it in action. We had no Friday matches, and believe it or not, only the one Saturday match. We're already on to Sunday. The week just gets better and better for match number B, and we're headed closer to home, back to our region of the world, CONCACAF, to the Nicaraguan Primera División. They are in their Clausura stage for newer fans. Uh, Many Spanish-speaking countries, especially in this part of the world, divide their season into two separate seasons or stages, opening and closing, Apertura, 
E. Clausura. This is the Clausura stage. The regular season is done. Top six teams made the playoffs, and we have reached the final of that. By the way, this is the number 11 ranked league in all of CONCACAF, and it's probably the second weakest one in Central America, uh, well ahead of Belize, just because they're so small, but a little bit behind some of the other ones. But that doesn't stop us from being interested in the footy. We are all about the high stakes, and there is a shiny trophy on the line here. Now, most of the Central American teams, uh, leagues rather, will qualify three teams into the upcoming new CONCACAF Central American Cup. So three teams from most of the leagues. Nicaragua will only get two. Belize will actually only get one. I am not 100% certain whether it is the regular season stage winners or the playoff winners. My guess is it is the former, but it doesn't matter. There's still a playoff trophy to be had here, and we are all about it. Um, the matchup, number B, Real Esteli versus number one, Dirion Hen from the regular season. This is this country's El Clasico, and this is two of the three best historical teams. And really, I think Walter Ferretti is on a little bit of a dip. So your very best two teams in the last couple, three years right now. They're actually playing this in Esteli. I don't know if there was some sort of random draw or if it was just going to be there all along, but I do find it a little strange that the team that was number one in the regular season is having to go on the road. When they played in this stage in the, in the Clausura here, they split it, both teams winning on the road, a Dirion Hen won one to two, Esteli and more of a shootout, two to three. Dirion Hen, by the way, they beat Real Esteli for the regular season title by four points. So this is going to be a close match. You can just I'd love to find an internet stream for this one, but I haven't yet. Maybe I can update this later. Real Esteli, they are known as the train of the north, and uh, the city of the same name, Esteli, is in the northwest part of the country, probably a little bit less than 150,000 people, third largest one in the country, perhaps most famous in recent history for being a mighty refuge for Cuban cigar, cigar makers back during their revolution. The uh, climate and the soil is tree tremendous for tobacco growing. So if you, uh, if you like to smoke them while you got them and, uh, I, I like the occasional cigar. I'm not into cigarettes even a, a little bit, but Cubans, you know, can be hard to get fake Cubans. Meh. Don't be afraid to really find a good deal on one from this country and particularly this region. It's going to be legal and you can get a great price. Anyway, they have won 19 league titles. They, uh, the last one they won was the Apertura, the regular season from just earlier this year. And they won the playoffs as well. In fact, they've been on quite a roll. 2021, they got to play in the CONCACAF Champions League, and they made the, made the round of 16. Best they've ever done. Here in the playoffs, they had a tough road to hope. They uh, advanced over number three for the regular season, Managua, 3-3, three to three, and then on penalty kicks. They played a home and away a two-legged tie there. Statistically, looking at the regular season this stage, number one offense, number one defense, number one goal differential. Key player to look for, second best scorer in the league with 14 was Douglas, I'm going to pronounce it, uh, Kaye, C-A-E. He's from Brazil. Team's current form, they have won four straight matches. Now, Darion Hen, really cool name. They are known as the Chieftains. They are named for 
a legendary, well, not legendary, he was a real guy, but also legendary, anti-colonial tribal leader named Dirion. The hen with the G-E-N with the uh, accent on that is actually an honorific for a leader or essentially sir, if you will. So the club, Dirion Hen, and they've got a really cool uh, picture uh, of him or what he might have looked like right on the crest. They have won 30 league titles, but they had like a 50-year head start. The other team today is only 119. This is actually one of the oldest clubs in all of Central America. Uh, because, But they don't have the uh, CONCACAF Champions League history, even that Real Esteli does. They just started uh, really competing in the league well again after about 15 years off. Their halcyon or glory days were a couple decades before that. 2022-23 Apatura stage, or the first stage of this season. Uh, again, as I mentioned, they lost to uh, Real Esteli by four. And they went out in the first round of the playoffs. In this set of playoffs for the Clausura stage, they advanced over number five, Matagalpa, five, nothing on aggregate. Really wasn't much challenge there. Again, there's a real big dip between the top two or three in the rest of this league. They're pretty much identical on paper. Same offensive, same defense. They've scored just one less goal. And they've got a Brazilian for a key player as well. Tied for number four in that category is Patrick Sautza. Team's current form, uh, their last regular season match they lost, and that was the only one that they've lost since all the way back in mid-February. Match number three. Another Sunday match, and from a league I'm not sure I've touched on more than once already this year, it is called MLS Next Pro. This is one of the, uh, I believe, two third-tier leagues here in the U.S., and it is entirely or almost entirely Major League Soccer Reserve teams. The one we're going to look at, we never ignore it when teams are tied. That is always high drama. Colorado Rapids 2, and by the way, that is the number 2, versus Austin FC, Roman numeral 2. And I'm sure that will make all the difference in how they present uh, that particular number. Notice I am not saying the number and then the actual number, because I know that that's bad, and I'll get a bad sound effect from the management. Number B is the way to go. But anyway, we're not actually going to do a real preview for this match, but instead, even though they are tied in the West, we are going to use this as an opportunity to try to make a little quid. I got to pay for college for person noobs somehow. And when we think about gambling, we always think about cheating because if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So here to help with a drug aided or drug addled vision is our 3,500 year old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Tis I, here to smoke. And so to truly see, I travel once again through space and time. Darkness descends upon my mind. Then the vision comes, and I find myself in the Arizona desert. I've been here before. I'm with some old friends once again. It's 1995. I've joined Jim, Tom, and a mess of high-end astronomer hobbyists for an evening of what they think will be looking for globular clusters. 
While there were no guarantees at the time, I know what they may well find, having seen it myself when I was just a few hundred years old, barely off my mother's apron strings. Around eleven, they spot a fuzzy glow they believe to perhaps be a galaxy seen through Sagittarius. I can barely keep my tongue and joy in check, as I know what they've really spotted. After tracking actual movement over hours, Tom excitedly tries to reach the Central Bureau for astronomical telegrams in Massachusetts to report. Since he had no cell coverage, I learned later he tried sending an actual telegram to the Bureau, though that part had only remained in the name for historical reasons. Denver native Thomas Bopp was one of two to be credited for finding the comet now named for him and Alan Hale. Comet Nubstradamus might have been nice, but my ability to have these visions through the universal infinite far outweighs any single discovery. The vision fades, and I wake again with the knowledge you seek. Tom lined up the telescopic view with globular cluster Messier 70. Noob, Denver will win this day in homage to the late Tommy Bopp, 7-0. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number four! Once more, back across the pond we go, but this time to visit a tournament on the women's side of things, the English Women's FA Cup. Now, unlike with the men's cups in Europe, there's no international berth at stake. On the men's side, uh, the winners either get a place guaranteed in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League that we've mentioned. The women's side of things in Europe, they don't have a secondary tournament, at least not yet, but there is still a big, old, shiny trophy on the line for this. And by the way, the prize pool is much bigger than what was even a year ago. The prize pool for this event as recently as last year was 400,000 pounds. This year it is up to 3 million pounds. Your combatants are Chelsea and Manchester United. They are going to be playing this in Wembley. So a quasi home game there in London for Chelsea, but I think it'll probably be pretty even in the stands. Chelsea, they have actually won this cup title four different times, and they are the two-time defending champions. Also worth noting, they are the three-time defending league champions. The WSL is the top flight in England. 2021-22, or 2021 rather, internationally, by the way, this is a team that finished in second place in the Women's Champions League, and they just lost in the semifinals to uh, Barcelona in this year's edition. So this is all to say that while I've imagined in the past that it's really a three or maybe a a four-team power race for trophies every year in England, Chelsea have been beginning uh, the best of things very much the last couple, three years at least. They got to enter in the fourth round or the round of 32, like all the WSL teams. They advanced to this final over Aston Villa with a road win, but just nil one. 
Give you an idea of what they're like in league play. They're currently in second place, one point behind their foes today, Manchester United, in what has now become a two-horse race, although it's really still advantage Chelsea because they have a match in hand. They have played one fewer there. So there's going to be – this is not the uh, last trophy that these two are t- contesting even. Their defense is good, but the offense is where they're really great. They're the only team in their league that is getting over – or or at least three goals per match. They're averaging that on the dot. Key players to be aware of. Number one in the league in assists with 10 is Guro Reiten from Norway. She plays left winger for them. She's also in third place in goals plus assists with 17. The engine for the offense getting a start in number one is successful dribbles on the year is their right winger. She hangs a little bit further back. Lauren James. Uh, she's also got five goals and two assists on the air. She actually played for Manchester United through the 2020-21 season. And then their German goalkeeping superstar with six clean sheets on the air, third best in the league, that is Anne Katrin Berger. But really, I think the sneaky most valuable player that they might have overall is their central midfielder. This is sort of a position, I admit, that yeah, has a bit of an advantage when it comes to being most valuable just because of where they play. But uh, their Scottish central midfielder is Aaron Cuthbert. Four goals, three assists. So she's not top two in either of those categories, even in her team. And she's a good enough passer, but she is a very good tackler. So while the defense is just top three in the league, as opposed to number one, like their offense, she is excellent at shutting the other team down early in their drives. Team's current form, they have uh, three straight wins notched in a 15 to one goal differential. And now Manchester United, the Red Devils, a very young club comparatively, founded in just 2018. They advanced to the final over Brighton, three to two. They don't have, uh, because you know, the lack of any kind of history. They don't have any major trophies yet for us to talk about. Uh, this year, they've got a top two offense. They're tied for number one on defense, uh, giving up only around a goal every other match on average. And they are tied for best in goal differential in the league. So even in a quasi road game, they will be no easy meet. Key players to look for, tied for number three in league scoring with 10, is Alessia Russo, English-born striker. Also, she is tied with another player who gets a little bit less fanfare. Their left winger, Leah Galton. American fans might recognize her name as she started her career with Gotham FC. Second best player in the league overall, though, and easily the best one on this team, in my opinion, is their Spanish right back, Ona Batier. One goal, nine assists, very good dribbler, excellent tackler. She makes so many contributions in so many different portions of the field. Two more to be aware of. This is another one, a stat I mentioned earlier. Possessions in the final third, getting the offense uh, you know, to last a little bit longer or get restarted. Rachel Williams, she's a veteran, 35 years old attacker, kind of plays all over the field, and she is getting it. Consider this to be like offensive rebounds in basketball, but even more important because you know possessions in the other team's last third are so, so important. She gets over two and a half of those per game. And they've got the number one goalkeeper, by the way, in terms of clean sheets. Want to mention Mary Earps. She's also second best in save percentage. Team's current form, they have won seven straight. Red hot. Match number five. 
the last of our Sunday matches. We're not going to do a full preview. Only want to mention what event we were going to pull a match from. That was the Champions League from the OFC. Yes, the Oceania Football Confederation. The group stage is just getting started. Match I really wanted to look at was Suva out of Fiji versus uh, the team that qualified from the bottom four, if you will, had to play their way into the event proper from Samoa, Lupe Ole Sawaga. Uh, the whole thing is taking place in uh, the country of Vanuatu, but this is the time of show where I turn the reins over to daughter Dearest, my co-host, the real star of the show, 11-year-old person noob, because while I care the most about soccer between the two of us, she has a soft spot in her heart for endangered animals. So let's launch into her segment. And now it's time for Aminals, Aminals, Aminals from around the world. Oh, yeah. I'm not a very smart animal. We started singing the song a minute ago and I didn't even have the, I didn't have the the system recording. So we just did it for our own amusement. How did that work out? It was very fun. Yeah. It wasn't quite as effective though, ultimately. So um, as discussed, we are off to, uh, we're off to the South Pacific Oceania, sort of the quasi continent or continental region out there. And the game is being held in the country of, Vanuatu, what animal have you picked that is endangered or critically endangered in this case? The Hawksbill Sea Turtle. Hawksbill. Hey, we're originally from Iowa. We like hawks. Is that why you picked it? It's a turtle. Yeah, you just like turtles, don't you? Turtle. I wanted to go with the dugong or whatever it was called, the sea cow. Dugong. But Do it's your segment. Yeah, dugong, sea cow. Just because sea cow is fun to say. But this is your segment and you get to run the show. So... Is the the Hawksbill Sea Turtle is is the country of Vanuatu where these matches are being held the only place that you can find it? No, they're all over the world. Okay, so they're not endemic to Vanuatu. What sort of environments do they tend to live in out and about in the earth? Uh, they usually live in like a tropical and subtropical marine um, and estuary ecosystems. Estuary ecosystems. Okay, I see that in your notes. So basically. Uh, so, yeah, so basically it lives in, uh, so live, bleh. it lives some of its life in the deep ocean, but mostly in, in lagoons and reefs. Oh, that's cool. So they kind of like to hang out at the pool parties. Mm-hmm. All right, what can you tell us, what makes it easy to identify this turtle from any other kind of turtle that's out there? Because it doesn't have any close cousins or relatives, I'll tell you that. Um, it has a sharp in curving beak. It really did look like the Iowa Hawkeye hawk beak, didn't it? The little kind of like secondary nose. And it was really, really sharp looking too. They can rend flesh with that uh, or other things with the things they eat. They are omnivores. Uh, I noticed that we didn't get that in your notes. We'll get into their diet a little bit later. Tell us a little bit about what they look like. Um, Their shell is typically amber with a dark and light streaks. And how big does it get? About three feet long, 180 pounds. That is not small. That's like two of you, person noob. <laughs> you are, although you don't have a, you know, to your disadvantage, you don't have a mighty, mighty uh, amber colored shell. That's not your fault because you're a human being. Tell us a little bit more about the shell. Not only is it really pretty, but it's got some other aspects as well, doesn't it? Oh, well, oh, well the back scutes overlap to give a serrated look like a steak knife. Wow, so it looks really, really dangerous. Whether or not it's actually sharp, creatures that uh, might try to prey on it, um, they won't, you know, they might be intimidated by the way the back looks. 
And then there's something very, very unique about it, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they're the world's only bio, uh, bioluminescent reptile. Bioluminescent. That is a that is a huge word that I had had to even slow down to say. For those of us who may not necessarily know, what is bioluminescent? Um, bioluminescent is like um, how to describe it? Um, you get to go. Well, what's a good example for an, a different animal that's bioluminescent? Something from our backyard. Um, a firefly. That's right. And what does a firefly do in its own butt? I'm pretty sure that it's butt. Um, I mean, it, uh, the, the butt like like makes its own little butt light. Yeah. Imagine if I wish I had a bioluminescent butt. Of course, there's all kinds of things that I superpowers I wish I had, but that that might not top the list, but that'd be pretty cool. So basically, this animal glows or has the ability to, even if there's no other light around, produce some of its own light. I think that is pretty cool. Now, I mentioned earlier that it was an omnivore, but what does it mostly eat? Sponges. Sponges. Oh, interesting, like the sea animal Sponges. Now, when we were talking about the hawksbill turtle yesterday or the day before, you said something about it that I normally say about the animals we're going to talk about, and that's and what was that? Um, wasn't it like um, you said you wanted to? Oh yeah, this time, this time, my father does not want to eat it. I want to eat it. <laughs> Is that why you like turtles? Because they're under their their bodies look so scrumptious. I want to eat it. Well, I don't know if it's poisonous to people or not, but I'll tell you one of the other things that deters a lot of its other predators that I specifically left out of my portion of the notes and just to hold this back. Ha ha. There's a reason I'm not eating it. The sponges that they eat and a lot of the other uh, uh, animals, snides, I don't know how to pronounce this, C-N-I-D-A and other animals that they eat are toxic. They're the only animals in the world that eat a lot of these things. And so their flesh is presumably poisonous to a lot of the animals that try to eat them. I don't know if it's strong enough to affect people or not, but like jellyfish, you might not want to eat this one. There's a reason I said I wasn't going to eat it for a reason. All right. What can you tell us about their uh, breeding habits? Do they pop out one or two eggs at a time? Nope. They they lay in and bury about 140 eggs. 140 eggs when they crawl up on the beach. And then uh, the... The eggs, they specifically hatch at what time of day? Um, I'm pretty sure that they hatch at nighttime. Nighttime, and why is that? Uh, because when they hatch, the DTBT turtles crawl towards the ocean because the moonlight reflected on the water. Uh, that's really cool. So that's one of the things that's actually hurting oh, these wow. turtles as far as their threats, which we'll get to here in a moment. I left it out of our notes, but... Uh, Coastal development is one of the things that's really hurting them because the babies come out and then if there are like a lot of lights around because people are too close, you know, city lights, hotel lights, whatever it may be, that confuses them. They might mistake that for moonlight and so they don't get going the right direction and they don't end up making it to the water where they need to be and that gives predators a longer chance, you know, longer time to try to eat them. So tell us about some of the general threats. Uh, their main threats are human hunting, also population loss of coast, also bleh, also not popu- uh, pollution. Uh, the loss 
the loss of coastal lake, lake habitat. Yeah, so beaches going away and stuff like that. And the reason that they were, what was the reason that back in ancient times they got hunted? You mentioned the amber shell earlier. On, on the ancient Greeks and Romans made jewelry, combs, brushes, and rings from the, from the skews. Wow, and then I read that in places like Japan, they make anything from eyewear frames to uh, the shenisan, uh, if I'm saying it right, the Japanese musical stringed instrument, specifically picks that are made for that. Really, really fancy picks. Yeah, she's up playing some air shamisan uh, or samisen or whatever it is right now, rocking out with her imaginary, thankfully, hawksbill sea turtle uh, pick. But uh, there are conservation efforts going on all around the world. The hunting of these animals and the selling of the goods that are made from the carapace or carapaces or shells is heavily, heavily regulated now. And in fact, it's illegal in a lot of countries. But more than that, a lot of people are trying to help maintain their habitats, build reserves. What's one of the big ones people could look up, even donate money to if they wanted to try to help this uh, critically endangered turtle population? Um, uh, one big one is the World Wildlife Fund Australia. And they would be very unhappy to hear that you want to eat the animal, both, both for the sake of the animal and potentially for the sake of your health. So do you anymore once you didn't really want to eat the turtle, did you? No, you're shaking your head. You were just beating me to the punch this time. Cause I'm always talking about if we can save, if we can grow the populations of these endangered animals then I can eat them up, but not the hawksbill sea turtle because that might make your tummy feel really bad, or who knows, make you sick or kill you. I don't even know. Person Noob, thank you so much for introducing us to the critically endangered hawksbill sea turtle that resides among other places in Vanuatu. And this has been Aminos, Aminos from around, around the, the world. world. Don't eat them. I will eat them. Don't eat them. Hello, kittens. Now, is that really the kittens a long time has gone by, or is that you imitating the kittens? Take a guess. Mm, I think I'll leave it a mystery, but I do know what that sounder means. That it is... Time for... A recap of last week's matches, and here to help me with it for the first time ever is 11-year-old daughter co-host Person Noob, who's making a smiley face with hands under her chin. All right, Saturday, match number one was from... Soccer league, major and, league soccer. And who played? Vancouver and Minnesota. And where were they ranked? Um, they were ranked number nine and number seven. And what was the result? The result uh, of, of Vancouver won three to two. Wow, what a shootout! What were some of the highlights? Um, uh, Brian Way had a brace. Okay, for Vancouver, he was a guy I picked on actually that had been missing a lot of big chances, so he got a goal, couple of goals. Good on him. All right, uh, tell us about what effect it had on the standings. Ooh, listen to you getting it right. All right, I'll take it some from here. What do you think? All right, match number B from the Bundesliga, also a Saturday match. Number four, Freiburg took on number five, RB Leipzig, and it was RB Leipzig when he nil won that moved them up to third place. Match number three from France's League One, number three, Lance, and number two, whoops. <laughs> Number B, Marseille. Did you hear that person, Noob? Did you say number you know what? I did say number you know what. It's bathroom talk. It's uncouth. I'm not fit for civil society. Can we even continue? Well, we're going to try. The result was a win for Lance 2-1. to one. 
For Lance, man of the match possibility, we said to look out for Seco Fofana had the game-winning goal. And for Marseille, guy we said to look for, I got an assist, and that was Valentin Rongier. They switched positions in the table. Match number four was from the Asian Champions League, the final second leg of the home-and-away two-legged tie between Japan's Urawa Red Diamonds and Al Halal from Saudi Arabia. And the result was... A Red Diamonds win, our favorite team from Asia, Urawa Red Diamonds. We have loved them for years, or at least I have. They won 1-0, which means that they won 2-1 on aggregate. Congratulations, Urawa. Jim Tan Sushi, golf fight win. Yeah, yeah, that's what person here gets. Match number five was the Spanish FA Cup, the Copa del Rey final between Real Madrid and Osasuna. Real Madrid, uh, they were given a bit of a run, but ultimately came away with the victory. Two to one by the massive underdogs from Osasuna. Sunday, match number six was from Northern Ireland, the Irish Cup final between Balamina United and Crusaders, and it was all Crusaders. They won nil to four. Match number seven from Guatemala's Liga Nacional, the Clausura stage. Number B, Comunicaciones versus number Number one, a municipal capital city derby went Comunicaciones way 1-0. A guy we said to watch out for, Azarias Ladaño. He had a goal. They switched positions here at the end of the season, and that means congratulations, Comunicaciones, on winning the regular season Clausura title. Wednesday, match number eight from the Canadian Championship. Hey, person new, if it's Canada, that means people from there are Canadian, right? Not just Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, fair enough. I think we're giving ourselves a stuttering problem. It was the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, the Canadian Championship. Pacific FC and third division TSS FC Rovers. It was the favorites from the Canadian Premier League, Canadian, excuse me, winning 2-0. Match number nine from UEFA's Champions League semifinal. First leg of the home and away two-legged tie between AC Milan and Inter Milan, and it was all Inter Milan. 0-2 does not begin to say how one-sided that match was. Match number 10 from our FA Cup here in the U.S. called the U.S. Open Cup, the round of 32. Birmingham Legion took on Memphis 901, and the result was a Birmingham win, 3-0. Enzo Martinez had a goal. And then lastly, our three bonus matches with explanations to come later. The route of the week was from the Premier League in Zimbabwe. Number 18, last place, Black Rhinos versus number one, Ngazi Ngezi Platinum. And hey, the result, a semi-upset. Black Rhinos held on for a point, earned a 1-1 draw. Uh, that moves Ngezi Platinum all the way down to number three, and it moves Black Rhinos up to number 17. And now your most meaningless match in the world was a money match from the Premier League in Ethiopia. Uh, Dika SC took on Adama Kenema, and they played to a 1-1 draw as well. And finally, your match of disappointed a Monday match from England's Premier League. Between two of the bottom three, number 18, Nottingham Forest, and number 20, Southampton. And the result was in a shootout. No defense to be found here. Nottingham, they won 4-3. Uh, the most disappointing player on the team that we pointed out last week, I got to give credit where it's due, Taiwo Awanini. He had a brace. Congratulations to him. That moves them up out of the relegation zone for the moment, at least, and up into 16th place. Southampton, obviously, still that much deeper in the hole. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. And as we head into the second half of the show, I will let you know, whew, that was a lot of tracking that you had to do. You get Monday and Tuesday off, at least from the main 10. We've still got our bonus uh, matches at the end of the show to get to. 
Wednesday, we re-kickstart things, and right here at home, Major League Soccer. I'll be honest, there wasn't any one really, really compelling match for me, somebody who doesn't have a serious emotional investment in any one particular team. So we're trying to find an interesting one. Anyway, let's talk about Major League Soccer first. For those who are newer, although veteran fans will want to know this as well because things are changing, nine teams, not eight, from each conference, East and West, now will get into the playoffs. The conference winners, East and West, will each qualify for the uh, CONCACAF Champions League, as will the MLS Cup champs. Now, the MLS Cup is not the same thing as the U.S. Open Cup. That's MLS Cup is just our name for the playoffs. So conference winners, playoff winners, and then the best team that basically wasn't from amongst those three will also get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League from America. The matchup we've decided to look at from the Western Conference. These are two teams that are well above the playoff line, but probably not going to flirt for a top seed either. Question will be, can they, you know, maybe climb into the top four and get to host a home game by the end of the year? Talking about number five in the West, Dallas versus number seven in the West, Vancouver Whitecaps. Currently, Dallas lead them by just one. Uh, Vancouver lead number 10, Colorado. So that's your first position that's entirely out of the playoffs by just two. You know, they're only uh, maybe a third of the way into the season. So still relatively early, but not too early to really be thinking about the stakes of the match. The series between these two has been moderately even. Dallas have had a little bit of an edge, accruing an 11, 8, and 9 record. And we will talk about them first. They play out of the, uh, I think the suburbs about 30 minutes from downtown. It's Frisco. And uh, they are known as the Hoops, amongst other themes. One of my favorite nicknames, I assume, referring to the Hoops in a Bulls nose traditionally, because they are also known as the Toros, amongst other things. Historically, it's uh, been a few years since they've done any real damage. 2010, they finished in uh, second place in the MLS Cup playoffs. 2016, they won the Supporters' Shield for newer fans. That's the team that finishes the regular season with the best record from either conference. Now, 2016-17, they did follow that up by making the semifinals for the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, A body internationally called the IFFHS at that point did some rankings and named them inside the top 200 in the world. Now, that may not sound great, but considering the MLS has only been around for about Oh, 20 years compared to the rest of the, you know, like Europe, for example, having about 125 year head start on average. You know, that's pretty good. But the really best known, uh, not so much for their on field, uh, you know, major league team, it's good sometimes, but their academy is second to none, I think, in major league soccer. They, they do more selling and, and really turn a good profit on players. You can follow Dallas players that got their start there all over Europe and the world. Last year, they finished in third place in the West, had a very good regular season, and they made the conference semifinals. This year, um, they're about average on offense. The defense is a little bit better. They're only giving up a bit over one goal per game on average. I think this team will struggle to get into the top four, but not by much. I wouldn't bet against them. They have that kind of goal differential. Key players to look for. You can't talk Dallas right now without talking about Jesus Ferreira. A lot of people are still surprised, at least I am, that he's still with the team. He's got five goals on the year. He's only 22 years old, plays center forward, was an all-star last year. I think he'll finish the season here next year. Teams in Italy are already starting to make a push. Uh, He's currently being most closely linked to a move to Napoli, which is a team that has ran away and hid with the Serie A title over there this particular year. 
Defensively, number one in clearances per 90 uh, with nearly seven per game on average. That's just incredible. Sebastian uh, Ibiaga, he is from Nigeria, plays center back. He came over from uh, LAFC on uh, what's called a free or a free transfer. They didn't have to trade for him. LAFC was able to uh, shed a little bit of uh, would-be salary after they won the title last year. But I think their most valuable player is their left winger. Even though he's just 20 years old, Argentinian fellow named Alan Velasco. He's got two, uh, two goals, good dribbler, great tackler, but he is the best glue guy absolutely in the league. And they knew what they had. Uh, I don't know what they paid for him, but uh, – they got more for him on their signing from whatever Argentinian club he was with than they have ever spent before. Team's current form, they're 0-1-2 in their last three across all competitions and have only scored just one in goal. Uh, one goal in though, so they need to fire and start to step it up a little bit again. Otherwise, Vancouver are coming to crash their party. 2015, the Whitecaps finished in second best in the West. That's the best they've ever done. 2016, they reached our Champions League semifinals. Best they've ever done there. They are your defending Canada championship champions. That is the FA Cup over there. And it used to be the only way that a Canadian team could get into the CONCACAF Champions League. That's changed. They can now qualify out of MLS play. But still worth noting that at least they're the best of the three major league teams and some of the uh, third tier teams up there. This year, they got to play the CONCACAF Champions League. But they only got to the quarterfinals before they got drubbed by LAFC. They didn't, uh, they didn't have a great year last year. They only finished in ninth place in the West, didn't make the playoffs, but they won the Canadian Championship, so they got to go. This year, offense, a little bit above average. Defense, that's where the bread's getting buttered. Top three in that regard in the West, they're letting in less than a goal per match on average. Top four goal differential. I think just a little bit more offense. Uh, looking at you, Brian White, as I seem to do every single time I talk about Vancouver the last two years. He's a great player who just is a little bit too inconsistent for my taste. A lot of missed chances. I think New York Red Bulls let go of him for a reason. The guy who's setting him up and should probably have more assists than he does. Uh, probably their best player, Julian Gressel, who plays right back, but really some wing back for them. Came over from Atlanta United. He's even got a couple of national team uh, appearances. If he's willing to uh, be a high assist guy and a glue guy, I think he might have a future with the team that a lot of other people aren't necessarily predicting. Team's current form, they have won two straight and are unbeaten in their last four. Match number seven. Time for UEFA Champions League. They have reached the semifinal stage and uh, two pairs of teams are getting ready to play the second matches of their home and away two-legged ties. The first leg between these two got played to a 1-1 draw. The winners of the second one here will get to play either Inter Milan or AC Milan in the final. You can watch this one on CBS, 3 o'clock Eastern time in the U.S., talking about Manchester City and Real Madrid. Now, what's a noob person? What's a noob like me going to be able to tell people about two of the most famous teams in the world that they don't already know? Basically nothing. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can't. I can't even punish you for that. Um, so what I've decided to do for this to give people a little bit of a different type of super mini preview, we're going to do a little like good cop bad cop here. I think I am going to talk about the two the, the two weakest links from the last couple of matches for each team and tell them how bad they are. 
but then maybe, you know, break them down like a military drill sergeant, though not quite that colorfully. And then you can build them back up in song. We haven't really planned this out. It'll be fun. All right, Manchester City. They haven't lost a game since February 5th, so it's really hard to pick on anybody, fairly anyway, but we're going to center back from Switzerland, Manuel Akanji. What's been going on? This is the Champions League. Your team needs you this type of season. And leg one, sure, passing accuracy of 95%, best in the game. But it's not like you're basically attempting any long balls. And when you do, they're not accurate. You only had two, you only had two clearances in the last match. You got dribbled past that many times. That can't happen any times per match in a you know when you're a center back. That's why they put the weaker guys on the wing. Also, just 50% on your ground and aerial duels put together. That's not bad. That's good for a draw. If that's all you want to do, if you want to go to penalty kicks, this team needs more out of you. You had the weakest rating the last two matches of all the defensive players on your club. In fact, the match before versus Leeds, you only had one clearance. You only won a third overall on your duels, and you didn't have a single interception. What gives? Are you trying to shave your family? Overall, your passing accuracy isn't that impressive because you don't try the long balls. I expect Real Madrid to attack you directly down the right center side of the defense. Now, okay, you go ahead and stay right there, Akanji. I may or may not be done with you. Person Noob's got something for you. Real Madrid. All right, where is he? There he is, Mr. Weak Link. David Alaba from Austria. Their center back, 35 years old. What is it about that position? These teams shouldn't be weak in the middle. Once again, a good passing accuracy rate and yet 0% accuracy on long balls. Yes, they're harder, but you got to do better than zero. You're a Champions League club. Not like you're playing for like Elche or, you know, Celta Vigo or something like that. Come on, one block and you got dribbled past twice. No interceptions, just 25% on duels. Are you even going to play in the second leg? I'm not sure I would play you, but we're going to assume that you are, and that's why I'm yelling at you. The game before, the FA Cup file versus Osasuna, once again, no interceptions, one tackle attempt. You only won one out of your four duels between ground and in the air. Unacceptable. Down and give me 50. No crying. You think they're crying if they're hearing this person do? Yeah, I, I might start crying. Just for, I think I scared myself a little bit there. Wow. Not really. All right, but so that's the bad copper team. And now to help try to pick you up, to encourage you to be the best version of yourself that you can be, our young Ted Lasso with a ukulele, person noob. Take it away. Hello. You got a song for them, don't you? I made a song called the Pep Dog Song. All right, let's hear it. Hello, hi, hello, hello you Guess what, I've got some news Based on what I've heard You are being pretty bad But it's okay Because this day you get to hear a song About what you might be doing wrong And to fix it Okay. 
Bravo. So, well, I don't have any hope for you. Uh, I I don't have any hope for you. I think you're putrid, you two, or at least for the level you're playing at. Probably, perhaps, better to listen to the encouraging words of person. Thank you very much for joining us in Song Daughter. Match number eight. Our final Wednesday match is one of the true serious chances we have to cover any football from the European microstate of Liechtenstein. They have reached their FA Cup final, and there really is something at stake here. The winners get to go to the Europa Conference League. And so Liechtenstein are guaranteed to send a non-top flight team. Now, the reason for that is Liechtenstein, unlike places like Luxembourg, uh, does not have its own league system in any way, shape, or form, not even a single top flight league. All of their teams play in the Swiss system. The two teams that have made it are two of the very best. Certainly one is FC Baltzers versus FC Vadus. And veteran footy fans will recognize the name recognize the name Vadus. They very occasionally get to play in the top flight in Switzerland. Usually they're bouncing back and forth between, I think, the second and third leagues. This year they are in the second league is Vadus. The Swiss Challenge League is what's that called. Meanwhile, FC Baltzers, they are in the Swiss second league interregionale, which is a fifth tier league over in Switzerland. So even as such things are measured in Liechtenstein, that is a big, big gap. And Vadus are probably going to be your champions for like the 80th time in a row. So this is the time of show where New has to acknowledge that his tumbly is getting a little rumbly. The Pooh Bear in me comes out. I don't necessarily want honey, though. I want to take a culture break, learn about something, art, architecture, uh, folk, music, myth, religion. But who am I kidding? It's always food nearly nine times out of ten. No mistaking at this particular time. And this might be a recipe that sounds similar to other things that you've had. If you've eaten at a German family-style restaurant, at the very least you've had something similar to Kosknopfel. There's a couple of umlauts involved, so I might be mispronouncing it, but one source I said read, think of this as grown-up mac and cheese. It's basically a or one of the national dishes of Liechtenstein and some of the surrounding areas. A lot of what makes uh, the dish uh, more a part of the place where it's being made is actually what's served on the side. That's what really differentiates. Kasknopfel. Basically, you're talking egg noodles with some really other good ingredients. I'll tell you the ingredients. You're going to need flour, salt, eggs. Uh, you're going to make a really, really, really thick batter and then start to add water that you're going to need to thin it out to get it through the slotted spoon or the colander, whatever you're going to use to make the spatzel style noodles, which I've seen egg noodles used for this that are really, really long that you could make and fairly thin, uh, something akin to an angel hair pasta, but a little thicker. Usually it's more like big raindrops or small pellets. Uh, you're going to need a big onion. That is key. And then um, for a standard serving, maybe 150 grams of a, uh, you could use a mixed cheese, but I really recommend a hard a medium hard cheese is what I keep seeing over and over, like a Gruyere or um, a mental, something like that. I think a granular cheese, something like a grated mozzarella, except a little bit harder than that. Your basic recipe, combine the flowers and the salt, uh, then combine the eggs and the water in a separate bowl and add to the flour mixture that you've made. 
Add enough water to achieve a thick consistency. And then, as I mentioned, you will slowly add a little bit more water so that you can get it through the holes of whatever you're pushing that dough through to make uh, the noodle pellets, let's call them. Cover the batter with a cloth. Let that sit for around 30 minutes. In the meantime, you can, uh, at a leisurely pace here, cut up an onion into, into half rings and then uh, brown them until they're just lightly brown. You don't want to overdo it. Then bring the salted water to a boil in a pot, put the batter in a colander, push, you know, push through the holes or with the wooden spoon. And when these pellets or dumplings are done, uh, remove them and drain them from all that fluid. Put the dumplings in a bowl, and then this is where you add your cheese. Put the fried onions on top and enjoy. Now, if you want to do this in strictly uh, Liechtenstein or I think uh, Western Austrian, there were two or three little pieces of other countries that do it this way. But the Liechtenstein way is to have applesauce on the side with Perzenu, when I told her about it earlier today, said sounded really, really weird, but I don't think she got that it was a side dish. Now, there is an alternate way that's a little bit more common to make something like this in a pan where it's just spatzel noodle, and this is the longer ones, spatzel noodle cheese, spatzel noodle cheese, layers and layers, almost like lasagna, the fried onions on top, and bam. And that is what you'll probably see uh, a picture of on Twitter. Uh, that seems to be an easier one to find for some reason. It's just a little bit prettier than the pellets in a bowl, but either one's going to be really, really good. Try it any way you can. Make it any way you can. Google up a recipe. Enjoy and thank me later. Match number nine. Our last two matches are Thursday matches, the final day of our soccer week every single week on this show. The UEFA Europa League is where we're headed. Yeah, the second best tournament in all of Europe for the clubs. They have reached their semifinal stage. They are getting ready to play the second legs of the home and away two-legged ties. The one we're going to look at, the juicier one to me, is Leverkusen versus Roma from Germany and, of course, Italy then, respectively. The winner will get to play Sevilla out of France or Juventus, yet another Italian team. They are having a great year in the postseason across all the tournaments. I think they've got five teams in the semifinals. One of them will be their opponent in the final. You can catch this particular matchup at 3 in the afternoon Eastern time on Paramount Plus or uh, for Spanish language, VIX Deportes, which I believe is streaming. The first leg, Roma won that 1-0, but now can they repeat that effort on the road in Germany? Series between these two, they haven't played a whole lot. Roma is 2-1-0, and just a reminder, the winner of this whole event automatically gets a Champions League berth next year, no matter how they do in their league play in 2023-24. Leverkusen playing host. If you're not familiar with them, it's not the biggest town, even in their own. It's one of the smaller cities in their own state. Uh, It's only got maybe about 160,000 people or so, probably. It's really... In large part, a company town. The club's name is Bayer Leverkusen, and Bayer is the company that got them going. They started off as a workplace team, which doesn't always mean that they're the most popular team in the country. A lot of them don't like these uh, work teams, but this was really more of a grass, grassroots thing because the company and the town were kind of one and the same at one point. Internationally, the best they've ever done. They finished in second place in the Champions League back in 2001-2002. They won what is now the Europa League, was under a different name back then, back in 1987-88. They qualified for this event or dropped down into it uh, by finishing third in the group stage in the Champions League. Imagine if the NCAA tournament for basketball went that way. 
you're in a certain early stage in the NCAA tournament, you lose, you're not done for the year, you get to go down to the NIT tournament. That is the equivalent of what happens here. They got to the group stage, they finished in third place. So the top two went forward into the round of 16. The third place team, they said, wait, you can play a little bit longer, but you have to drop down over here. They advanced to the semifinal by beating a Belgian team that's really good the last year and a half, Union St. Joe, 5-1 to one on aggregate. Really impressive victory. Individually, it's hard to pick out uh, too many key players from this team. It's uh, They don't have any players on the scoring or assist leaderboards for the event. I can tell you that in the Bundesliga, the top flight in Germany this year, they're in seventh place. Uh, they've got uh, a top six offense, top seven defense. They are who they are. Uh, team best player is probably Jeremy Frimpong. I know he's in the top three in the whole league and successful dribbles per 90 minutes. Really helps get the offense going. He's just 22 years old, a Dutch right back who gets up the field, box-to-box player. And he's contributed a lot more on the offense than some people do. Eight goals and six assists. Uh, Man United are the leading team uh, to probably have him as a transfer candidate. He'll be making the move to a bigger German team or to the Premier League probably over the summer. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three, and they've only scored one goal. Here's to hoping for a competitive game where they can get their offense cranked up a little bit. Roma doesn't want to see that. They're coming to town. 2017-18, they made the Champions League semifinal. That's the best they've done in the last 20 years anyway, the modern uh, soccer history of Europe, if you will. Europa League back in 1990-91 They made the final, but they lost there Uh, 2020-2021, they made the semifinal That's the best they've ever done here in the quote-unquote Modern era of the last two decades They qualified for this year's Europa League two different ways, strangely enough Uh, They finished sixth last year in Italy's Serie A And that put them in the Europa League, but they also qualified automatically. They could have finished in last place in Italy and it wouldn't have mattered. They would still be here because they won last year's Europa Conference League, which guaranteed them a place in this year. So imagine if they win this, it'll be the first ever time where a team won the Conference League and then the Europa League and got into the Champions League that way. There haven't been many opportunities since the Conference League is so young. They advanced to this round, last round, by beating one of the big three over from the Netherlands, Feyenoord, 4-2 on aggregate. They do have a couple of really key players to look for. Event On the event scoring leaderboard with four goals is Lorenzo Pellegrini, one of their attacking midfielders. He's also tied for the second best in assists with four, but you can't just count on shutting him down because they've got another guy who does some time at forward, an attacking midfielder named Paulo uh, Dybala, Argentinian, and he has four goals as well. Well, he made over 200 appearances in seven seasons with Juventus before coming over here just in the last year or two. So it'd be interesting to see him get to play potentially in the final against his old team. Uh, He is really quick, really agile. He's not shorter than Pellegrini by three or four inches. So he's a lot of fun to watch dribble. Team's current form, before their leg one win, they weren't in real great form either. 0-2-2 in their last four. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, finally, daughter dears. Though once again, a reminder, we have our three super fun bonus matches coming up that you, the listeners, had a chance to vote on what the content was going to be. What better reason to listen than that? But before we can get to that, match number 10 is from the aforementioned UEFA's Europa Conference League. Yes, that third best or tertiary tournament. 
They too are in their semifinals, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. This is going to be an incredible matchup. AZ Alkmaar from over in the Netherlands. There are the traditional big three in the Netherlands, and Alkmaar have always sort of been the best of the rest, and they are playing host to West Ham. West Ham won the first leg uh, back in London 2-1. to one. The winner will either play Red Hot of Late Basel, or Basel from uh, Switzerland, with a terribly slow start to their season, but are coming on strong of late and then some. Or Fiorentina, yes, once again from Serie A. Told you the Italian teams were really doing well. And again, the champion will get a berth into next year's Europa League automatically. This one you can catch 3 o'clock Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. AZ Alkmaar, I don't think it's actually ever called that. They either call it Alkmaar or AZ. The A is for Alkmaar and the Z is for Zahn, a district of this somewhat small city. Uh, the city is just uh, a fair bit over 100,000 people large as all. It's in North Holland. They are the 37th ranked club in UEFA. Give you a little perspective that puts them right between AC Milan, kind of a top five club, and guess who? Opponents today West Ham, talk about an even even matchup. I'm not quite sure if something is lost in the translation here or not, because this isn't a word I use with this particular product, but they are known as the cheese farmers. I guess I would go with cheese makers, uh, you know, but that's fine. One of the few things the city, because uh, again, it's a small one that they're famous for, is their very traditional cheese market. And I'm a traditional like stuff they make right there that is different than other parts of the country. You're not going to find any uh, Edam cheese, no Gouda here. And what's really interesting is really this market, quote unquote, is misnamed because they won't, uh, they'll demonstrate how to make the cheese. You can watch, but they won't sell it to you right there. The nearby castle has a bunch of stalls and you have to go over there to actually buy the cheese for some reason. It must be good that they're making you do this seemingly unnecessary work in my opinion. 1980-81, uh, the club finished in second place in what is now the Europa League. They've made the quarterfinal three times, though, this century. That's kind of their speed. Last year, they also played in this event. They got to the quarterfinals. This year, they've had to come a long way. They entered all the way back in the second qualifying round. Uh, so they had to win uh, second, third qualifying round, a playoff match, then get through the group stage, and then a couple rounds of the knockout stage. It's been a long trek for them. They qualified for this event by winning the Eredivisie, that is the top flight in the Netherlands. Uh, they want, They didn't win the league. They won what's called the Europa Conference League playoff round. The fifth through eighth place teams last year in their league all had a little mini tournament. Uh, Alkmaar finished in fifth, and they won that tournament. So here they are. They advanced to this round by beating Belgian side Anderlecht 2-2, two 4-1 two, to on penalty kicks. So really squeaked that one out. Key players to look for on the event scoring leaderboard with five is Vangelis uh, Pavlidis from Greece. He plays forward for them. And then tied for second best in event assists with four is their Swedish forward Jesper Carlsen. Team's current form, pretty good. Three, one, and one in their last five. But now West Ham, I think just from being from the Premier League, they've got to be your favorites in an event of this stature. They play out of the Stratford District, just a few miles east of central London. Uh, they won an event back in 1964-65, maybe their only true quote-unquote big European trophy. It was big at the time. The European Cup Winners' Cup. All the FA Cup winners used to all go to the same tournament. So it's sort of a precursor to the Europa League. It's definitely on that, you know, it's definitely on that level. But again, you know, it's it's been over 50 years.
Here in the modern era, they finished in uh, second place last year in this event, or in the Europa League, rather, and that's the best they've ever done in any of the tournaments. They qualified by finishing in seventh place last year in the Premier League, and in this event, they have wrecked everyone they have gotten to play. They got to start in the group stage and have laid waste to all comers. They had really, uh, Ghent from uh, Belgium, they only beat them five to two on aggregate. That's probably about the most competitive time they've had. Tied for second best in event scoring with six is Michael Antonio from, uh, well, he internationally has represented for Jamaica, 33-year-old Ford. He's actually English born. He's only made a handful of attempts and only within the last couple of years, actually, for the Jamaican national team. He's very much been a late bloomer of sorts, uh, in fact, West Ham is the only top flight team he's ever played for in any league, and he's been here since 2015. Team's current form, two straight wins, and that followed a three-match losing streak. Bring forth the bonus matches! Thank you once again very much to everybody who voted on Twitter for the teams that we're going to cover in these three very unique bonus matches. How does it work? You simply find me at Soccer Noob USA on Twitter early each and every week, Monday or Tuesday. I put up the candidate matches. You vote and dreamy content is thusly decided upon. It is magical. This show has been uh, one of the strangest ones we've ever done in one particular regard in that we've only hit, I believe, two confederations, uh, CONCACAF here at home, and then teams over in Europe. And that by nature is simply because it's getting towards the end of the European season. And that's where the highest stakes are. Normally, we go all over the place. Oh, well, I guess we did do the uh, animal segment for Oceana, and we'll cover that event in the coming weeks at least one time, make no mistake. But thankfully, you have voted for all the bonus matches. You voted in matches, I should say, that are from different confederations than uh, Europe and North America and the Caribbean. So thank you very much for that. Our first is a first versus last place matchup. We dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, week, week. And the one you voted for was a Tuesday match from South Africa's Premier League, which is the number five ranked league in all of Africa. Two of the teams will get to go to the Champions League. One will get to go to their secondary tournament. Africa's equivalent to the Europa League is called the Confederation Cup. On the other end of things, equally relevant here in the route of the week, one team will get relegated. One team, the second-to-last place finisher, will have to fight for their top-flight lives in a relegation playoff match against the second-place team from the second division here at the very end-to-end of the year. This is the last match of the season, last chance for these two to do what they need to. Talking about number one, Mamelodi Sundowns versus number 18, last place, Maritzburg United. Series between these two has been all sundowns. 13-8-4 is their record against them. When they played in Maritzburg earlier this season, it seemed like Maritzburg didn't show up. Mamelodi crushed them nil-5. Let's talk about the sundowns first. They actually Mamelodi is a township in the municipality of Tishwani, which is in the kind of northeast central part of the country, city of about 350,000. Not the sort of place you really want to live if you can pick where you want to go in South Africa. I'll be honest, they've got a lot of housing, drug, and crime problems there. It's really a troubled city. 
The style of soccer they play would be very, very interesting, or is for a lot of a certain type of European fan. They play a tiki-tock tiki-taka type of style in that, uh, for those who don't know, that means short ground passes, advancing the ball, not a lot of risk with longer passes or putting the ball in the air. Down there, for some reason, though, they call it something different. And I love this. It's a nickname of the team, Shoeshine and Piano. I guess both things can have staccato or very quick movements to them. I'm doing some hand motions there, even though this is an audio podcast. That works well. All right, the Sundowns. They have won 16 league titles and then are six-time defending champions. They also won the African version of the Champions League in 2016, and they're competing for the title. Once again, they're about to play my favorite African team from Morocco, uh, Dad Casablanca, in the semifinals. Now, I said that both of these teams have one last chance to do what they need to do. Uh, That's really not anything for this team. They ran away with the title this year weeks ago. They lead Orlando Pirates and Supersport United, who are actually uh, competing for that second and final Champions League spot for next year, by 18 points. Just an outrageous runaway league win for Mamelodi. They've got the number one offense by lots in this somewhat low scoring league. They get one and three quarters goals per match. Number one defense by a lot, only giving up two goals every five matches on average. And the number one defense by or, uh, defense goal differential by well over a factor of two. They have had no peer in the league. You know, normally when we look at these routes of the week, I try to find reasons to say, hey, maybe the underdog can get an upset. We've seen draws the last couple of weeks. That feels really, really unlikely. The only thing that might work in Maritzburg United's favor is that Mamelodi might have already sent all their, uh, you know, all their starters might already be playing golf or fishing or whatever they want to do in their off season because uh, they could have been doing that for the last three weeks and been fine. Tied for number one in league scoring, will he? See, we see him with a dozen goals on the air. Is Peter? Shalulali from Namibia. He plays a midfielder for them. Team's current form 4-1-0 in their last five. And now Meritsburg. That's a city in the east central part of the country, about 600,000 people. Uh, really versatile economically. This is a better city to live in, quite frankly. Aluminum, timber, dairy, they're all over the place. Used to be a real, real hotbed for textile production up until the 90s for some reason. In fact, if you're of a certain age where you uh, wore a lot of Doc Martens, there's a pretty good chance that they actually got made right there in Meritsburg. Their nickname is a little bit of a strange one, but it's right on the crest, so they really believe in it. They're called the Team of Choice. Okay, sounds like a fast weird fast food regional restaurant kind of theme to me. Uh, Let's see. They have been in the top flight since 2008-2009. Their biggest finish was fourth place, 2017-18. This is not the worst. This is one of the few things I can say about it. This is Normally, we run into routes of the week, and the last place team is really, really dismal. This team has averaged a point per game. Now, that's not good, but this is a team that's you know, got six or seven wins, four or five draws. They've beaten some people. This is a team that has belonged to a degree at this level, even though they are going to drop down now, it would appear. They are part of a three-way tie on points for la- for in the for the last three positions in the table. So they're in a position where if they win and the other two teams that are right, you know, that they're tied with don't do well, they could survive or at least get to play in that relegation playoff match. 
but it's obviously on paper a guarantee that those other two teams, they're playing weaker competition. Everybody's got to play the double round Robin and they, the other two have played Mamelodi twice. Meritsburg haven't. So it doesn't look real good for them <laughs> the way things are. And uh, the stats really belie that this year. They've got tied for uh, the third worst offense and defense. Put it together, they've got the worst goal differential in the league. They do have one player of note. Uh, they're going to need a really big game from him. Top 10 league scorer with eight on the year is Frenchman Amadou Sokona, the best team he's probably played for in his circuitous uh, journeyman career. He played for a yo-yo team in Israel that bounces back and forth between the top two flights called Hapoel Peta Tikva. Team's current form, not great, but at least it's not 0 for their 0-2-2 in their last five with a not completely terrible 3-5 and goal differential. Good luck to them. They're still going to need it. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yes, we ripped off a Prince Melody, and we're not going to apologize. And nor should we, because quite frankly, we're doing the Lord's work here. Who else in the world has the heart? What other show to shine a spotlight on two teams, more or less smack dab in the middle of their table? In this place, mathematically, completely safe from the relegation zone, but also desperately far out of being able to qualify for international play like a Champions League. The match that you have voted on for the most meaningless in the world is a Sunday match from the Girobola, the top flight in Angola. It is the eighth ranked league in all of Africa. The match we're going to look at, number eight, Santa Rita versus number nine, CRD Lobolo. Never heard of them. Probably a lot of Angolans even haven't. Who knows? Santa Rita currently lead Dibolo, uh, Lobolo by two. When they played earlier this season, they tied, appropriately, 1-1. Uh, there's a little bit of a sad history to this particular match. When it was played in Santa Rita in 2017, or at Santa Rita's Place, it's not the name of the town, uh, they were letting in people for free, and an access gate collapsed, and seven people got trampled to death amongst the dozens and dozens and dozens of injured people, several with other life-threatening injuries that did manage to survive. Okay, on to the team, Santa Rita. The full name of the club is Santa Rita de Casia, although the name of the city or town that they play in is Ulge, U-L-G-E. I love, love, love their crest. It's got a an oval in it with a beautiful painting of St. Rita right in it. The area or the club is named for her because in this town, when it was built, a sanctuary was built uh, in her honor there. So very big deal. Now, uh, the city of Olga, it's in the northwest part of the country, about a half a million people, and that's in the greater metro area. So it's really not quite that big a city. Uh, if it's famous for anything else, unfortunately, more sad history, the worst ever outbreak of Marburg virus was here in 2005. Yikes. This is a team that was promoted from the second division last year. I don't think this is their first time in the top flight, but it could be. They were in the third division in Angola as recently as 2015-16. This year, their meaninglessness is perfectly described by their record. They are 9-8-9. and nine. Their offense, a little bit below average. The defense, a little bit above average. The overall goal differential, this is a team I don't think will, uh, I don't like their chances even at home today, just looking at the stats on paper, even at their own place. Plus, the team's current form is not particularly good. Their only win in their last six matches was against last place uh, Dragao. 
Now, Labolo, Clube Recreativo Desportivo do Labolo is the full club name. That city is in the east-northeast part of the country, about 100,000. In 2008, here's something fun to be famous for. Talk about your meaningless facts. I don't even know exactly what this entails. But something I read said that the province they're in, a gal there named Maria Rostino Manuel was declared the internet winner of Miss Landmine. Yeah, there's a lot of landmines in the Laboa area and in this province from the Civil War back between 1975 and 2002. I don't want to poke too much fun at this because maybe this is a gal that was hurt by a landmine that there's a real contest for this. I didn't go down that that deep down the rabbit hole because I got a lot of matches to go to. But you are welcome to hit your Google machine up to see what that's all about. All right, footy-wise, the team is known as the Bulls. Uh, they were founded all the way back in 1942. They've won four league titles, but all their success is moderately recent. They won the title four of the five years between 2011 and 2015. In 2016, the Champions League, they even made the round of 16, best they've ever done. Last year, they were right about where they are now, average. They finished in ninth place. The stats belie that this year. Uh, average offense, slightly below average defense. Uh, they are who they are. This is... I suspect that another draw will come out of this. If I had to put money on it and wanted to try to really win some, I would put money on Lobolo since the other team is such bad form. Lobolo's doing okay. They are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. And now we come to the true end of our podcast road, appropriately the 13th match, because we never end on good feelings, happiness, joy. No, we end with wailing and gnashing of teeth. Welcome to the fresh hell that is the match of... Disappointed! Oh. Kevin Sorbo, always giving me the shakes. He means it. You have voted appropriately for a Monday match. It is from the African nation of Guinea. Yeah, it was a clean sweep for the African nations. But hey, thank you voters for taking us to a different confederation than we've been in throughout this particular episode. The top flight in Guinea is called League One. It is ranked number 10 in the CAF. No thanks to these two egg-sucking clubs that are the bottom two in their league. That's what we mean by disappointed. Two of the 14 teams in this league will get relegated at season's end. That means sent down to the second division, and good riddance to them, we say. Enjoy them while you can. We'll learn a little bit left. There's only three matches left in the season. Let's see. Your your sad sack bottom feeders, number 13, Sangaretti versus number 14, Satellite FC. Satellite they trail Sangaretti by four. Their fate seems sealed. Sangaretti, they trail three teams that are all tied with each other right above them by four points. So there's a little bit of time left for them, but oh, the sun is setting on their uh, on their top flight stay, I think. When the two teams play earlier this season, Sangaretti got the road win nil one. We will talk about them first. Full name, Association Sportive de uh, manure, not manure. Well, maybe it should be. De Sangaretti. My French isn't great, but maybe in this case, that makes it even more correct in a way. This city is known for one thing and basically one thing only. And uh, it is in the western part of the country. It's a bauxite mining town. Really three villages that all kind of grew up around the mines, I think. It's maybe 100,000 people in the area. They weren't in Division One until last year. Uh, they're not staying. Uh, the defense was bad, or the offense was bad, but the defense was even worse. In a league that doesn't feature a lot of goal scoring, they gave up well over one and a half goals per match. 
Team's current form, though, credit where it's due. They are 2-0-2 in their last four. Really, their problem this year, they've won a lot of the same number of games as several other teams, but they just weren't able to manage any draws. When they lost, they tended to lose by quite a bit. And now Satellite FC, they're one of the several teams that play out of the capital of Conakry. They were founded in 2000 and have made five African international tournament appearances, although none in the last dozen years. Last year, they were a little bit closer to meaningless status. They finished in 11th. Uh, This year, the stats are real similar to their opponents today. The offense is bad. The defense is even worse. This is your team with the worst goal differential in the league. It's no fluke that they're down here. Team Screw informed they are 0-1-2 in their last three with the paltry 2-9 goal differential. You might be saying to yourself, Self, Noob doesn't have a lot of information on these. But you know what? It can be tough to find for some of these African nations, quite frankly. And we all know a little bit more than we did before. Oh, that sounded too happy. We need to get away from that. Let's end our show in traditional fashion by shooing these teams away. Away with you. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Away. Hey, boo. boo. And that's it for episode 135 of Person New Bracket America featuring Soccer Noob. No. No, you like it better the original way? I was trying to give you some extra credit. Everybody who listens actually really listens to hear what you're doing. How's your life going? Um, it's going okay, I guess. What would make it even better? If we went to the park. Well, yeah, that's where we're going as soon as we as soon as we finish this. So shall we get to it? Yeah. All right, thank you to he who is known as the management for all of his production and editing wizardry. Ooh. Is he real? You think he's a real person? Yeah. And also, it's a mystery. It's the management. Oh, he gets his own song. Wow. Yay. All right. Also, thank you to Dan, the uh, Dan, the former Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts remain on fire. Thank you very much to you, Person New, for helping with the show. Mwah. Love you so much. Thanks for doing with us, me. We were just discussing off air that she might start to help me with some of the uh, uh, game scouting, which I think would be interesting. Uh, Well, I find it interesting. We'll find out if you do or not. And thank you very much to who else? And thanks to you. Yeah, for listening, for finding us. We're kind of an oddball show compared to other soccer podcasts, but we like it that way. Our comedy is a little off-center. Our our matches uh, tend to be off-center, even though they're important where they're being played. Hopefully, that makes us unique in a good way and that you might be inclined to even pass this along to your footy-minded friends. Until next time, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. So long. Goodbye. Farewell. See you later. Arrivederci. See you later, alligator. We're not going to get to the park this way. See you around like a donut. (laughs) You're a donut.